Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. You know, the growth of a Christian is complex and it involves many, shall we say, change agents. Change agents like meditating on the Word of God, like fellowshipping with other believers, like personal prayer, like worshiping in song. These things are all really, really important. Nobody would argue with that. Yet, these change agents only serve to make the soil fertile. Last week we learned that the seed is always perfect. It represents the Word of God. It represents the Kingdom of God. It represents the Gospel, the truth. But the soil, the dirt, I'm the dirt, you're the dirt, the dirt, which is our heart, the soil, that's up to us. That's up to us to make sure that it's, that, is it hard? Is it where the weeds can only, or the, the roots can only go shallow? Or is it thistles? Or is it healthy soil? Well, growth comes from God and God's exclusive work in our lives. So similar to the, the part of what a farmer plays in growing of crops, he tills the soil, he removes the weed, he, he literally um, adds fertilizer, and he plants the seeds, he waters the seed. But God is the one who causes the growth, not the farmer. I lived in Iowa for a de- a, at least 10 years, and I'm telling you, I know men who own thousands of acres And not one of them can make that seed do anything that seed is not going to do by the hand of God. It's powerful. But it's God who causes growth. It's not my responsibility responsibility to grow myself. That's God's job. I'm responsible to cultivate my heart in my life, that it's conducive for God to grow something inside of me. Remember, God's no respecter of persons. God is all about growing and about growth. What we all need to know is that your life, that my life, can grow if we need, God can cause it to change. Last week, we began this four-week series called Rooted. And the whole agricultural imagery, as we've been already talking about, is so strong. And we'll be talking a lot today about seeds and, again, the soil, but specifically about growth. See, after a seed's planted, what do you expect for it to happen next? I planted the seed. I want it to grow. I know some of you guys are going, well, it needs to germinate first. I get all that. In elementary school, we got those little white styrofoam cups. We put a little dirt in there. We threw some seeds. We put a little bit of water in there. But you know that little kid, Charlie, he couldn't stop. He kept putting water in all the time. Like, stop, you're going to drown it. What was the expectation of every kid in the class? 
that that little thing would grow into a plant. We all understand that. We expect the seed to grow. And ultimately, we want the seed to grow and to bear lots and lots of fruit. Or bloom into something beautiful. Last week, we talked about how seeds need healthy soil. This week, we're going to cover the the necessary change agents that God uses to bring about growth. Let's look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5-9. through 9. Boy, this is a church, the church in Corinth. Boy, they had issues. It's a port city. So that means they have anybody and everybody from all over the world coming to make trade. But they're also bringing their culture, their pagan religions, and all sorts of of ugliness they're bringing to the same port there called Corinth. And Paul's having a field day trying to work with this. And so this is what he says here in chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Because they're, they're squabbling about who's really more important than the other one. We are only God's servants through whom we believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your heart and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting and who does the watering. It's not important who is Apollos or who is Paul. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. Did you catch that? And you are God's field. You are God's building. It's important to remember today that it's God who makes things grow. The seed matters, the soil matters, the water matters, the sunlight matters, but ultimately the master architect of growth is directly from God. Now spiritual growth is not growth by human hands. Because the believers in Corinth were, as I said, they were fighting and they were quarreling about so many different aspects about the faith that Apostle Paul addressed it throughout 1st and 2nd Corinthians, both books. And he wrote, but one of the specific arguments was over which leader they were to follow. They must have felt that one was greater, more productive than the other. And Paul clearly states that these men are simply servants of God, that the fighting needed to stop. Because spiritual growth was not a result of human work. So here's Apollos. This is what he's doing. This is good. And here's Paul. This is what he's thinking. This is what he's doing. And they're all fighting about, no, no, Paulos, Apollos. No, no, Paul, Paul. And he's like, stop being stupid. It doesn't matter. What matters is he was planning 
I was planting and he was watering and we were doing our part, but the miracle of the growth came from God. Have you ever heard that? I can't see the forest because of the stinking tree in the way. They couldn't see the obvious. Apollos was doing one, th- Apollos was doing one thing for the kingdom. Paul was doing a different thing. But they were all doing something for the kingdom. But only God can make the growth happen. This commentary in Paul's letter was intended to, to free the, the reader from this unnecessary comparison and then focus on what God was all about. Today, unfortunately, some of the body of Christ continue to argue about the same kind of things. They just put different names on it. Oh, it's this church and this pastor. Oh, it's this denomination. Oh, no, 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 no. It's this person I found on the internet. Oh, no, 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 no. It's this kind of Christian music. The other one's really, really bad. No, 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 no. This devotional is really where it's at. Oh, no, 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 no. No, over here, they're really scholarly. I love their theology. No, 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 no. I love the emotion and the Pentecostal. No, no, no. Stop. Where's Jesus in all of that? Stop fighting over something that really doesn't matter because the growth that you want, that I want, that we need can only come from being in the presence of God. I love the tools. The tools are good. But there's only one master craftsman. He makes the tool profound. He makes the growth in me and in you. In God's field, remember he calls us a field. His thought is growth is not an option. I'm looking at the same chapter, but verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you, talk as though you belonged to the world or as those who were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk. I had to give you baby formula. Not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. So this is one of those situations where, hey, you've been in the body of Christ maybe for weeks, months, years, decades, and you're still drinking a baba. You're all upset about the formula. And the Lord's saying, you should be eating T-bone steak. And I'm still talking to you like it's Sunday school. Whose fault is that? Wow. The expectation that Paul is telling us is that we would grow and that we would mature in the faith. Getting saved and receiving Christ is just the starting step. There's another step. And another step. And each and every one of those steps is referred to as sanctification. Not salvation. It's about me growing in Jesus. It's about seeing my faith increase. And my flesh decrease. 
In this passage, Paul clearly communicates that each person starts off as an infant in the faith. But the expectation is that they will become mature followers of God. I remember a story about a guy, and I've shared this before, about a guy who was really upset with the boss. He said there had been a posting that they were going to promote somebody in the factory, and they would become a supervisor. So this guy was really upset. He'd been there 10 years, and he didn't get selected. But this other guy who had been there three years got the position. So he was madder than the hornet. He went right up to him and he says, why didn't I get the position? I've got 10 years of experience. The other guy's only got three. And the boss says, no, 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 no. I beg to differ with you. You got one year of experience repeated 10 times. What would the Lord say to us? How many years have we repeated? Or are we growing? Because there's fertile dirt. There's fertile soil that He can grow something inside of me and inside of you. You see, our mission statement here at River Rock is helping people take their next step closer to Jesus together. See, in the essence of that mission statement, it indirectly speaks about the concept of going and growing from here to here to hear, to hear. And depending on where you're at, you have your own unique step. We're all at different steps, but hopefully we're all going forward in our faith, forward in Christ. If you're the kind of person, well, I've logged 45 years in the faith. That means nothing to me. It means nothing to Jesus. What he wants to know is, Did I get you every single day of those 45 years? We want to help people take their next step because your step is unique to the person next to you. See, growth needs the right environment. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And now just as you accept your Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Did you catch that? You got saved, and then he has the audacity to say, there's another step. He says, and you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow shallow. Is that what it says? Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. It almost goes without saying that spiritual growth, like natural growth, needs the right environment. It'd be ludicrous to think that an apple tree could grow in in the Sahara Desert. And similarly, it's equally as ludicrous for believers to think that they can have a robust and fruitful life as a disciple if they're constantly immersed in an environment that is polar opposite of where the King of Kings wants you to be. If I'm in a place that doesn't promote Christ, 
a place that promotes sin? Can God grow me in that environment? Or would He say, talk to me when you're ready? Paul is essentially saying, do the things that you were doing when the gospel first came to you. So I received the Lord. I got saved. I got excited. What was the first thing that you did and I did? We went and found a Bible. We went and found other people who are Christians and went and hung out with them. They said, there's this thing called a Bible study. Oh, I need that. Where's that at? What time? Do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? You couldn't get enough of Jesus. It just kind of oozed out of you. You always talked about it. You had to be careful because you didn't want to be offensive and be one of those weirdos. Right? But you couldn't help it. You had to tell somebody what had happened on the inside and it just oozed out of you. And God's like saying, hey, don't change. Find that passion again. That's how you're going to grow. Be filled with, with that gratitude, with that thanks, that thankfulness that God did something in your life. It's pretty hard to remain in a stagnant place when you're overflowing with thanksgiving for all that God's done in your life. If you want a challenge, I challenge you to say thank you. Thank you with huge thanksgiving at breakfast, at lunch, and at dinner. Ah, uh-uh, not the good God, good food, amen, let's eat. Not the thanks for my P- PB&J. I mean genuine thanksgiving where tears are coming out of your eyes. Do that, mon- do that every day for a week at every meal. Then tell me what happened in your life. Tell me what happens in your life. Now it's important to recognize that there's this thing called adversity and trials and tribulations. Now here's the crazy part. Did you know that that's all opportunity for you and I to grow? Somebody say, no, Jesus, I don't want that. We all do that. I don't want to go through adversity. I don't want to go through hardships. I don't want to go through sickness and disease. I don't want to go through a hard work environment. I don't want to have to face this and that. And all these things are wrong. And yet God says, guess what? It's in that adversity that I can cause incredible growth, God's perfection, to happen in your life and in mine because we trusted Him. We trusted Him. In the trial. We didn't get emotionally locked in. We got centered and focused on the King. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Oh Father, give me the mind of Christ. Oh God, help me to see what I cannot see in the natural, but you can reveal to me just as you did Elisha's servant, who all of a sudden, because of the prayer of Elisha, could see the angels sitting on chariots of fire. Oh God, help me to see what I can't see in the natural in the midst of adversity. 
The book of James speaks about it. Chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, who's that? That's us. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. James, what are you smoking? Can we just be real for a moment? Did he really just say that? How can he say that? He can say that because he understands a secret. He knows something that Marvin doesn't know. He knows something that you may not know. He says, hey, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This guy knew the secret. He figured it out. Clearly it can be difficult to differentiate between an unhealthy time and season versus that that adversity of time where God's using this to grow me. I wonder if He doesn't use both to grow me. We'll talk more about that next week, but in light of today's teaching focusing on growth, it's important to recognize that A season of adversity can promote healthy growth and a healthy outcome. It's important to be prayerful when you're in adversity. If some of us would be honest and I was to ask you to raise your hand, how many of us increase our time in prayer when adversity hits versus turning our back and getting all upset at God. We all do that. But those who are mature in Christ, they don't turn their back. You know what they actually do? They go to a knee. Because they're a mighty man or woman of God and they know how to fight as warriors which is on their knee. Because they know how to pray. The greater the adversity, the greater the amount of prayer. The fervency of prayer. Pray more. Seek counsel from mature believers in discerning adversity from an unhealthy season. When you go through trials and adversity, you can and you will come out a stronger and more mature believer. And that is what we call positive kingdom growth. So as we close today, let me remind you to trust God's process of growth. I wish the process was Marvin's process, but he didn't let me to weigh in. I I tried. I've told him he could use my watch. He doesn't like my watch. I told him to change locations because I need it over here, not over there. Who's in control? He is. How many of us want us to be in control? And that would be wrong. 
Let's read this out of Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Let's, let's, let's go here to Ephesians 3. Let, let, let's, let God's work, let His work be good and final in us. He says this, Then Christ will make His home in our hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So no matter the trial, no matter the adversity, folks, keep on meeting with other believers. Keep singing. Keep praying. Keep pressing on. Eternity's worth it. Will you pray this prayer with me? Would you repeat after me as I pray this out loud? Let's close our eyes, bow your heads. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord, help me to cultivate the soil in my heart. Lord, help me to evaluate the environment I find myself in. If something needs to change, that I trust you to grow me. Help me to make a conscious decision to change. Lord, I ask that you grow me, that you grow me in courage to embrace how you want to grow me. I trust you. I love you, Jesus. And Father, I pray for your people. I pray blessing be upon them. I pray, Lord, that you would show yourself strong and mighty, that even in adversity and trials and tribulations, that in the middle of a tempest, in the middle of a storm, they would be able to see that it's not a ghost, that it is Jesus there. That He can walk upon water and He can cause us to do the same. All we have to do is lean on You. Help us to cultivate the soil of our heart. That You would say that is excellent soil. Now let's grow, child. Let's grow in your understanding of the Scriptures. Let's grow in your understanding of relationships. Let's grow in your understanding of business and your place of vocation. Let's grow from generation to generation. Let's grow that you can leave a blessing to your children and your children's children. Oh God, bless your people. Oh God, no reason for we are the land of the free. We have Bibles at our ready. Help us to read. Help us to pray. Help us to say no to our flesh and yes to the Spirit 
of God. We pray your will. We pray your way upon this land. In Jesus' holy name. And we all say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.